Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do cover the Green Bay Packers. Are we done for anything else? Let's go. All right, hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers. It is actually Monday, January 1st. I am recording this at 2.56 a.m. Pacific Coast time, so you're welcome. Wanted to, to get this episode out to you before morning hits, so it should be out and on your Spotify pages for your drive into work or whenever you want to listen to it. But, no longer New Year's Eve, but just a short six five six hours ago the green bay packers defeated the minnesota vikings 33 to 10 just a blowout win a very 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 impressive win for the green bay packers so we're going to talk about all of that just before we talk about that as we do every single recap episode little bit of news to get to so first of all eric stokes we learned on saturday he would be placed on ir ian rapaport came out with a report saying Eric Stokes had a hamstring injury and he was being downgraded to out for this game on Sunday against Minnesota. Two hours later, we learned that Eric Stokes was headed to the IR. It's with a hamstring injury, and it's just been a brutal two seasons for Eric Stokes. He struggled to start 2021, didn't really recover well enough because he had to start the 2023 season on IR also with a hamstring injury in addition to that Liz Frank that he was dealing with. Then comes back week seven or so against Denver, injures his hamstring again, goes back on IR, comes back, plays two weeks against Tampa and Carolina, and now has to go right back on IR with another hamstring injury. It's just so, so tough for Eric. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can expect him to be the same corner anymore. He's going to go into training camp next year, and I think he's really going to have to have to earn that starting cornerback spot back because and after an awesome rookie season, these last two years have gone about as poorly as, as probably Eric could imagine. Second bit of news, Benny Sapp signed to the active roster, filling Stokes' spot. So Stokes to IR, frees up a, a 53-man spot. Benny Sapp fills it. Additionally, before the game, we learned Bo Melton would be elevated now. He was only elevated, but this was his third elevation off of the practice squad. The Packers can't elevate him anymore, and after his performance today, which we'll talk about, I find it hard to believe they won't sign him to the actual roster at some point. Uh, Additional injury news, Watson and Wicks both inactive, Musgrave also not playing despite being limited all week. Darnell Savage and TJ Slayton were both active. Looking at the offensive line rotations, the Packers continued their Ryan Runyon offensive or right guard rotation. Rasheed Walker, however, took all of the snaps at left tackle, so he has pretty clearly won that left tackle spot. Meanwhile, again, Ryan and Runyon rotating at right guard. That's what I have sort of from a positional injury elevation standpoint. Let's talk about the game. So, quick summary. Packers win 33-10. to just an awesome game all around. Four quarters of awesome football. They end the first half up 23-3, to capping the half off with an awesome Jaden Reed touchdown. Going to the second half, 
I mean, really just a, a blowout that continues in the second half. They go up 30-3 to off of a, a beautiful touchdown drive from Jordan Love to Bo Melton. Then, yes, Samari Toure muffs the punt. We'll talk about that. 30-10, to Packers go right down, chew all the time off the clock, make it 33-10, to and the game's basically over at that point. We did get to see some Sean Clifford action, so that was actually about how awesome this game was for the Packers. A really, really awesome game. Let's talk about a couple of plays, some notable plays that I thought just are worth discussing. First play that I want to discuss is a fourth and one turnover on down, so the Packers, they were up, oh god, I want to say 17 to three at this point. Maybe it was 10. No, it might have been indeed, actually. It was 10 nothing at this point. And the Packers, they're in Minnesota territory. It was third and one first. It was third and a long one. And the Packers run the love shove. So Philly has their Philly, the brotherly shove, where, you know, it's basically a QB sneak where they put two guys behind Jalen Hurts, push them forward, get the offensive line to basically submarine under the defensive line, and they get an awesome amount of push, get three yards every time, convert super easily. Packers don't quite run it as well. Now, they do get some movement up front. Love's able to get maybe a yard, but it was a yard and a half. So that sets up fourth and one. On fourth and one, Play action, boot, Jordan boots out to his left, floats one to a wide open Bo Melton. Now, the the pass falls incomplete. Whose fault is it? I, I think Jordan Love and Bo, and Bo Melton both share, deserve to share the blame on this play. Jordan Love didn't make the throw as well, as easy for Bo as he could have. Floated it. Bo had to try to run under it and dive to catch the ball. So definitely not as nice of a throw as Jordan probably would have wanted. That being said, the ball hits Bo Melton in the hands. And yes, he's diving. Of course, it's a tough catch. But you're an NFL receiver. Catch the ball. And so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but Minnesota followed that Packers turnover on downs up with a field goal of their own. Actually, their only legitimate points of the game make it 10-3. to So essentially a 10-point swing there from a potential Packers touchdown to a Minnesota field goal on the Jordan Love miss. So yeah, that one, that one was tough. I think Love, Melton both deserved share blame there. That was probably the, the low point of the night for both of those two guys because they both had awesome nights. So, yeah, I just wanted to quickly talk about that. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, Anders Carlson, after the Jaden Reed touchdown right near the end of the half, Anders Carlson missed a PAT. I'm not talking about the PAT because it's meaningful, but I just, it's interesting with Anders because he was so good at the beginning of the year, and he's been, he's basically had a miss every single game since week seven or so where you can lock him in. It doesn't, I don't know whether it's going to be a PAT or a field goal, but he's going to get some pretty standard kick from 25 to 35 and he's just going to miss it. And that's just kind of how it goes with Anders. Hopefully it gets better next year. If it doesn't get better next year, the Packers should be in the market for a new kicker right now. I guess they're, they're going to be okay with it, but yeah, wanted to talk about Anders a little bit. Um, Another play I want to talk about was the, the the muff punt. So Packers up 30 to 3. Minnesota gets the ball. Minnesota is forced to punt. 
So Minnesota punts away. Now, unfortunately, Jaden Reed at this point was out with a rib injury, which we will also talk about. What does that mean? Well, the Packers, who could put Keyshawn Nixon back to return the punt, don't. They elect to put Samari Toure back there on punt return. And, I mean, the only question I can ask is why? Why are you not putting Keyshawn Nixon back there? You have all season been willing to rotate between Keyshawn Nixon and Jaden Reed. And now Jaden Reed's out and you decide it's time to turn to Samari Toure? What? What? And the decision is proven to be absolutely incorrect with Samari Toure, first of all, not calling for a fair catch. Or I can only imagine he didn't call for a fair catch because that Minnesota defender was running straight at him and basically was going to hit him, I don't think. Like, if Samari hadn't muffed the punt, he still would have been hit. So I have to imagine he didn't call for a fair catch. And then he doesn't just not call for a fair catch and get hit. He muffs the punt. Minnesota's able to punch in a touchdown off of it. And you yet, I'm not going to say anyone was scared because the Packers were up 30-10 to 10 even after that, but you had the entire fourth quarter left. It was a 20-point game. I mean, you never want to get too loosey-goosey with a with a 15-minute left 20-point lead. So luckily, the Packers were able to put together a drive of their own on offense, milk the clock, but that was an awful decision. I think an awful decision from Bisaccia or, or Matt, I assume Bisaccia made that call. And really, when we're looking at Samari Toure, we'll talk about him just a little bit, but probably the nail in the coffin there. Bo Melton goes out and is the first Packers 100-yard receiver this season. Samari Toure goes out there and muffs a punt. Have to imagine those two are going to be switching spots with Samari Toure being cut and probably brought back to the practice squad. Bo Melton probably being brought up in place of Samari Toure. And then the fourth play I want to talk about, and this is really important, so please listen carefully. Sean Clifford, third and six, sing, slings it deep to Bo Melton for a massive play. And look, Jordan played well tonight, right? Like, yeah, I mean, he had a good game. But I don't know how you can watch that drive from Sean Clifford and not think that he is the future of this Green Bay Packers team. Everyone who, you know, early in the season was saying Sean Clifford should be the guy starting, you guys were clearly right. Sean Clifford is the better quarterback. He averages 37 yards per pass, I believe. Uh, Not just this game, but this season, which is far more than Jordan averages. That is, I actually, assuming he doesn't have another pass attempt this year, which I don't think he does. Now, if he does, I stand corrected. But this game, at least, he was averaging 37 yards per attempt. That is by far the best in the NFL. So what I'm telling you is that Sean Clifford should be the starter. Jordan Love should be benched. And there is no reason for the Packers to keep rolling Jordan Love out there. Sean Clifford is clearly the future. I'm kidding. I love Sean Clifford, but, you know, you know, that is a an homage to all of the beautiful people on Twitter who in week eight and week seven, when Jordan Love wasn't even playing that poorly, but definitely wasn't playing great, were calling for Sean Clifford. You got your Sean Clifford moment, 37 yard pass to Bo Melton, finishing the game. Um, So that's what I wanted to talk about there. That's all the plays I have to talk about. I was a little bit negative, right? We just talked about the fourth and one turnover, turnover, the Samari Toure punt or muffed punt. Let's talk about some positive things. And that's why next 
thing we're going to talk about is notable players from this game. So let's talk about players who absolutely balled out. First player, Jaden Reed. Wow. Wow. What a, he just played the first half, but what a first half it was. He balled out two touchdowns, had, I believe, 89 receiving yards on the, on the game. Just an, an awesome day, an awesome day from Jaden Reed. I mean, it actually wasn't even a day. It was a it was a half, but an awesome half from him. He I said it, he had two touchdowns. The first one, he just showed off his vertical speed. And I've been begging the Packers to get Jaden Reed involved vertically. They did. It resulted in a touchdown. Jaden Reed burns Minnesota up the seam. Jordan Love with a gorgeous throw. Touchdown there. His second touchdown he, used, uh, he showed a little bit more of his horizontal speed and his run-after catchability. Catches a pretty short slant, but takes it 25 yards to the house, powers through defenders, basically running them into the end zone from the 5-yard line or 10-yard line or so. Jaden Reed came out and did everything that a, a number one wide receiver does. The Packers didn't have Christian Watson. They didn't have Dontavian Wicks. But this is what I talk about. When I talk about the Packers having so many weapons and so many receivers where on any given day, any one of them can be the number one wide receiver or play like a number one wide receiver. And Jaden Reed did it today. He went out there today. He was running awesome routes, obviously got open on that um, seam route touchdown, was getting open on comebacks, got open on the little short pass he took for a touchdown. He had six receptions in just one half, was scoring touchdowns, an awesome day from Jaden Reed. And... I didn't even talk about the most important thing he did on the day. First, he tied Sterling Sharp's rookie receptions record on a little catch in the flat. Next drive, came back, broke it on another catch in the flat. He did lose a yard there, but he he wasn't satisfied, right? Yeah, he'd broken Sterling Sharp's rookie receptions record, but he lost yards on that catch. So what did he do? The very next play after he broke the record, Jaden Reed said, I'm going to score a touchdown, and he went up the seam, scored his first touchdown of the game there. Jaden Reed balled out it's him breaking the the receptions record on this day was so perfect because him breaking that record shows how incredible of a season he's had and this game was the the perfect display of what kind of a player Jaden Reed is an awesome day from Jaden Reed another guy I want to talk about Aaron Jones a little bit older than Jaden Reed but it doesn't matter he went over 100 yards on the ground for the second straight week He's just different. Aaron Jones is just different. There's a different speed when you watch him run. He is so fast with his cuts. He is so quick to get into a hole, get out of a hole, hit his gap. It's remarkable. It is remarkable to watch Aaron Jones play football. And it honestly is really incredible to see how different this Packers offense looks on the ground when Aaron Jones is running with the football. I mean, the stats say it. He went over 100 yards, had an awesome, awesome day. And I think they said on the broadcast, Aaron Jones knows that people are saying he's getting old and he wants to prove them wrong. Well, today was an awesome step towards proving them wrong. What what a day. What a day from Aaron Jones. My next guy I want to talk about, Preston Smith. There's this thing going around that says, you know, Preston Smith is good mostly in odd years. In 2019, he was really, really, really good. 2020, a little bit of a, of a down year for Preston. 2021, really, really good. 
Last year, 2022, not as good from Preston. This year, 2023, he's been pretty good this season. But on the last day of 2023, I think Preston Smith really wanted to leave his mark. It's an odd year. Preston Smith knows it's the last day of 2023. And he says, I'm going to leave my mark. Odd year Preston is going to show up. And oh boy, did odd year Preston show up. He absolutely worked all pro. All pro left tackle Christian Derrissaw just... He's probably lying in bed right now with nightmares about what Preston Smith did to him because Preston Smith was getting pressure on whoever the Vikings had in the quarterback all day while working against Christian Darrisaw. He obviously forced a fumble that totally put the game out of reach, uh, set up that Jaden Reed touchdown right before the end of the half, had another drive-killing sack, had a play very, very, very early on. I think it was actually the first drive where he got after Jaron Hall, forced a throw incomplete, it was a dominant game from Preston Smith. This was a Rashawn Gary type of game from Preston Smith, where he pretty much just took over the game and said, look, I don't know what you guys plan on doing on defense. I don't really know what Joe Barry, what you plan on doing, but I will tell you what, I am going to make sure that Minnesota's offense does not come out here and wreck us like Carolina did, like Tampa Bay did, and Preston did an awesome job of that. My fourth player to watch or not player to watch, but notable player, Bo Melton. Holy cow. Packers, I mean, Seahawks, seventh round pick last year. Packers pick him up, put him on the practice squad towards the end of last year. Doesn't really get any actual action. I think he did return a punt last year, but other than that, doesn't really get any action. Goes into training camp this year, is working with the twos, working with the threes, is catching passes from Sean Clifford. Has a, some nice plays in preseason, but nothing to write home about. Then pretty much stashed on the practice squad actually is still stashed on the practice squad and then gets in against Carolina and people think wow Bo Melton he can actually play huh and then he gets in against Minnesota and as just as every single one of us predicted when we were you know before the season writing in who would be the first Packers receiver to reach 100 yards nobody was saying Christian Watson nobody was saying Jaden Reed nobody was saying Romeo Dobbs everybody was putting Bo Melton into that slot and everyone who did would be proven right because Bo Melton has become the first Packers receiver this season to have over 100 yards in a game. I mean, he's clearly a top six Packers receiver at this point, right? They, and the ridiculous thing is how much depth they have at that receiving core. They're out Christian Watson. They're out Dontavian Wicks. They're out Jaden Reed for half the game. But... Melton says, no problemo. He uses his speed, got open deep multiple times, once for Sean Clifford, one for Jordan, once for Jordan Love, just missed a touchdown if Jordan Love could have hit him with a better pass and he could have hung on with a with the diving catch. Um, had a touchdown, had another touchdown where he just totally burned a corner on a corner route, funnily enough, into the end zone. That one, that was a touchdown that pretty much put the game out of reach. It was an awesome game from Bo Melton. He's he's not going to be Green Bay's wide receiver one in the future, but the fact that they can have their wide, literally their wide receiver six behind Watson, Wicks, Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, Malik Heath, their wide receiver six go out there, put up 100 yards and torch a Minnesota Vikings defense that has been one of the best in the NFL, that is a testament to the type of player that Bo Melton is and the type of players that the Packers have at wide receiver. What a game from Bo Melton. Love him. And then my fifth player, my fifth notable players, the 
just the entire Packers secondary. Shout out to every single dude in the secondary because they were they had a very tough task going into the game. Jair suspended. Eric Stokes on IR. So you have Carrington Valentine, rookie Carrington Valentine, not just rookie, seventh round rookie. Carrington Valentine and God, special teamer Corey Valentine out there. And they have to cover Justin Jefferson, top three receiver in the NFL, and Jordan Addison, a pretty fun rookie now. Yeah, Jaden Reed's better, but Jordan Addison has definitely been good in his rookie season. And they did an awesome job. Just blanketed Justin Jefferson. Whether it was Carrington Valentine or Corey Valentine matched up against Justin Jefferson, it didn't really matter. Carrington did an awesome job of sticking with Jefferson. Valentine had the early PBU on a deep ball where I thought it was PI at first, but no. Valentine turned his head, swatted the ball away. There was some awesome play from the safeties, from the corners. Whenever you go out against Justin Jefferson and you're able to hold him to, let me pull this up here quickly while I'm talking, Whenever you go up against Justin Jefferson and you're able to hold him to 59 yards, that is a testament to the entire secondary and the work that they did. Awesome job. It's especially incredible considering how awfully torched they got the last two weeks. Next, in terms of notable players, Zach Tom and Rasheed Walker. Both Green Bay tackles. What a job. What a job from them. They did an awesome awesome job holding Daniil Hunter pretty much at bay the entire night. Zach Tom, he goes out there. I mean, he is such a stud. The Packers, the Packers had a lot of questions going into this year and they have found answers to a lot of them. They have found resounding answers to a lot of them. One of them being their quarterback, but none have been as resounding as the answer to the question, is Zach Tom good? Because that has been answered really since, I don't know, week three with a resounding yes. Zach Tom with another incredible day holds one of the best pass rushers in the NFL and Daniil Hunter at bay the entire game. Goes up just on an island seemingly every single time he faced Daniil Hunter. Daniil Hunter, I don't think Daniil Hunter got a single pressure versus Zach Tom tonight. Awesome job from him. And then Rasheed Walker, same thing on the left side. He got 100% of the snaps today. I think the Packers, I'm not going to say the Packers have found their long-term left tackle, but with the way Rashid's playing lately, it sure looks like it. And what does it say about the Packers? That they're able to get Rashid Walker in the seventh round, Zach Tom in the fourth round, John Runyon Jr. in the sixth round, Sean Ryan in the third round, Elton Jenkins in the second round. I mean, the Packers have done an incredible job building their offensive line through the draft, and it showed out today especially in the form of Rashid Walker and Zach Tom. Um, lastly, I want to talk about Samari Toure, my last notable player. Just cut him. Cut him. And you can bring him back to the practice squad. I don't care, but there is no reason that he should be on the team over Bo Melton. The punt today should be that nail in the coffin, right? Like, okay, bring him back to the practice squad, but he cannot be taking a, a roster spot away from Bo Melton, period. And the fact that Bo Melton honestly didn't get signed last week by a team because whenever a player's on a practice squad, another NFL team can go in, swoop in, sign them to their active roster. So essentially a team could have poached Bo Melton from the Packers last week. Very, very, very happy that didn't happen. That's what I have for my notable players. Let's move with all that being said into injuries. Cause there's a little bit to talk about here. A couple unfortunate injuries. So 
First of all, Isaiah McDuffie, he went down, got injured, was evaluated for a concussion and carted off. It's very tough to see that. Uh, he's been playing pretty freaking well in Devondre Campbell's absence, undeniably better than Devondre Campbell, I would say. So yeah, tough to see. I don't know. I don't, I believe he did have a concussion because he didn't return to the game. Um, so hopefully he'll be okay. Maybe he can play next week. We'll see how that goes. Aaron Jones also got banged up uh, into the second quarter. He did go back in the game, ended up finishing out the game. So it seems like Aaron Jones is okay. Jaden Reed, this is a big one was questionable to return with a chest injury. I think he suffered the chest injury on the touchdown run, eventually went to the locker room. Matt said he's very tough, about as tough as they come, but Jaden's been dealing with a lot of pain. He's been beat up a lot. Hopefully they'll have him next week. Um, Matt said he's hopeful that they'll have him next week, but you're just going to have to see how that plays out there. Preston Smith also got injured, went into the tent. He did return and I think basically they just taped up whatever was hurting with Preston and said, go play through it. So we'll see how that progresses going in. Um, Sean Ryan, he took over for Elton Jenkins for a drive at the end of the game at left guard. Now, I'm not sure whether that was just precautionary or because the Packers were blowing the Vikings out. I'm not exactly sure why uh, Elton was pulled out, but he's been dealing with a little bit of a knee thing in practice. So not a great sign there. Have to see how that sort of shakes out. And then lastly, Josh Myers with a knee injury. This did not look great. I'm pretty sure it was a non-contact knee injury for Josh Myers. Kind of hit his helmet into a Vikings defender and then went out and hurt his knee. So he he did walk off under his own power. We're, we're just going to have to see how all of this shakes out. But, you know, it's tough. Quite a few injuries the Packers did sustain tonight, so... Hopefully most of those guys make it back and are okay. It doesn't seem like there's anything like super concerning, but definitely some things that might hold players out next week. With that, let's jump into my offensive notes for the game because there's a lot to talk about. So I want to keep it a little bit brief. I know it's it's the, the day after New Year's, whatever you're doing. Don't want to take too much of your time, but this was a pretty awesome game from the Green Bay Packers. So first offensive note, shout out to Matt LaFleur. Shout out to Matt LaFleur because Matt did a tremendous job of, and you saw this just throughout the night, designing a plan to attack what Minnesota does well and executing it to perfection. Last week, what Detroit did so well to beat Minnesota was they exploited holes in Minnesota's zone where they just had golf, find holes, usually pretty shallow holes, you know, five to 10 yards down the field, five to 15 yards down the field, but they just had Goff exploit those holes over and over and over again for five yard passes, 10 yard passes, five yard passes, seven yard passes. And eventually you matriculate the ball down the field, you score points. Well, the Packers did that today after going out, taking a deep shot early on, eventually punting, going three and out. Packers came right back and just matriculated the ball down the field in a gorgeous way. Tucker Craft, they had a million targets to him in the flat. Felt like every drive you were bound to get a Tucker Craft target in the flat. Also hit Aaron Jones in the flat multiple times. And if you really want to talk about vintage Matt LaFleur, the way that the pass and run game were in sync today was gorgeous. They couldn't get the run game going early, but Matt really got it going late. And with the run game, he was able to get play action going. It was he was remarkably in his bag. I, I think that's the best way I can put it. And 
I don't want I don't want to I haven't rewatched the game so I don't want to speak too much on exactly what he was doing from a schematic standpoint but the way he was able to even when the run game wasn't working at first able to dial up plays where Jordan could hit guys in the flat get them into advantageous downs and distances second and short third and short where they could then tee off that was really impressive and then once the run game started working I mean everything was flowing the play action game was working gorgeously even the plays tonight that didn't have success, like the fourth and one call, it was the perfect play call. He got Bo Melton wide open. He got Jordan in space. And I mean, they were a couple extra passes here or there away from putting up 40 on one of the best defenses in the league. What a job from Matt LaFleur today. Run game, pass game, play action game off of the run game, play action boot game. Awesome job from Matt LaFleur. My second offensive note, everyone was so in sync. The plays today were ridiculously in sync. And this is an offense that is now beginning to flow. And it is remarkable to see the turnaround that this young offense has had. And I, I want to credit Matt, but you have to give credit to the players too. Because, and that's what I'm trying to get at with this second offensive note here, because none of this works. Even if Matt called the exact same plays back in week eight against Minnesota, none of this works with the the players that were playing in week eight, because they simply couldn't do the things that the offense is now doing. And it's the same players. It's not like they, they got new players. It's just the players have grown. The blocking was incredible both in the run game and the pass game, that was so much better. But even more impressively, Jordan and his receivers were on the same page tonight. And they have been for the last three, last four weeks. It's been really, really, really awesome to watch. There was one play, and this play kind of is the perfect example of what I'm talking about, where the, the run game's been working well, and then the Packers go play action. I, I think it was play action. Again, I haven't rewatched the game, but... I think it was play action. So that right there, vintage Matt LaFleur, run game, run game, run game, play action pass. And what happened on that play action pass, it was in the first half, was Jaden Reed runs a comeback route. And you want to talk about steps Jaden Reed's made? Runs a comeback route, gets gorgeous separation on the Vikings corner. So he's open. Jordan Love, at the top of his drop, just steady, calm, collected rips a perfect dart I don't know maybe one hitch but either one hitch or no hitch gets the ball out perfect dart to Jaden Reed on the sideline who's able to toe tap keep the feet in bounds and pick up the first down that looked like such an easy play but in reality there were so many elements to it that were tough Jordan has to time up his drop with Jaden's route Jaden has to get the depth of his route right, Jaden has to toe-tap his feet, Jaden has to create separation, Jordan has to get the ball out in time, again, in rhythm with Jaden Reed's route, and it all went perfectly, but it it's not the kind of play that would have gone perfectly back in Week 8. In fact, it's the kind of play back in Week 8 where maybe Jaden Reed's out of bounds, maybe Jaden Reed doesn't create the separation, maybe Jordan's a tick late, all of a sudden, instead of it being a first down, it's third and eight. But today and the past few weeks, the past, I don't know, six weeks, ever since that Rams game, things have slowly been getting better. 
And they just peaked today again, where Jordan is in sync with Dobbs, with Heath, with Melton, with Reed, as I mentioned. It was gorgeous to watch. And I think the best way, talking about the offense, the best way to really appreciate what they did is to look at every drive by this offense. So let's go through every Packers offensive drive from this game because they it was a dominant performance from this offense, from Matt LaFleur, from the players. The first drive, they punt. They go three and out. After that, 64 yards, 12 plays, 5 minutes and 53 seconds, field goal. Next drive, 33 yards, 2 plays, 48 seconds, touchdown. Next play, 50 yards, 7 plays, 4 minutes and 9 seconds. They get down to the Minnesota 26, turnover on downs. Next drive, 75 yards on 10 plays, 5 minutes and 26 seconds, touchdown. Next play, 4 plays, 9 yards, punt. Yes, that one was tough. Then, 37 yards, 3 plays, 18 seconds, touchdown. Coming out of the half, 90 yards, 13 plays, 8 minutes, touchdown. Next drive, 57 yards, 13 plays, 7 minutes and 55 seconds, touchdown. And then the last drive, end of game, where they still went 58 play, fifty-eight yards on eight plays, two minutes and 56 seconds to close out the game. It was, this was remarkable from the Green Bay Packers, where if we don't count that end of game drive, that is, they had nine drives, they scored points on six of those nine drives, they got into Minnesota territory on seven of those nine drives, and they put up 33 points. What a game from this Packers offense. I'm honest, I'm not sure there's more you can say than that. What a game. Looking at the defense, my defensive notes for the game, the first defensive note, turnovers. They finally got turnovers, and that, I, it didn't end up being the difference in the game because the game was so lopsided, but it very easily could have been. Corey Ballantyne with a tipped interception, which the Packers got points off of. Preston Smith which um, with a massive force fumble, which ended up massively affecting the game. And this isn't really a turnover, but it is a turnover on downs. A fourth down stop in the red zone. Those three plays, the fourth down stop in completion over the middle in the red zone to Justin Jefferson, the force fumble from Preston Smith, and the tipped interception from Corey Ballantyne, those three plays would have, let's say the Minnesota Vikings offense had been money on every other drive those three plays would probably have been enough to win the Packers this game and this that that kind of performance not just from a point standpoint they only gave up 10 points but really three if you take away the muff punt not just from a point standpoint but from a turnover standpoint that is exactly what I want from this defense and it's what they're going to need going forward they need to capitalize and today they capitalized look at the result right? The results speak for themselves. My second defensive note, I can't believe I'm saying this, but shout out Joe Barry. Shout out Joe Barry. And I still want him gone. I don't want him anywhere near the Packers organization next year, but shout out to Joe Barry for adjusting today. And this is now back-to-back years with good game plans against Minnesota in week 17. Last year, Packers held Minnesota to 10 points. They won 37 to 10 in week 17. This year, Packers hold Minnesota to 10 points again really should have been three they win 33 to 10 so I mean if I'm gonna crap all over Joe Barry's defense and trust me I do when they don't play well and they give up a lot of points to crappy offenses like Carolina like Tampa Bay you do have to give some credit where credit's due and to be fair the 
Packers played Jaron Hall and Nick Mullins. It's not like they were going up against a murderer's row of quarterbacks out there. The Vikings, like, the Vikings benched their quarterback at the end of the first half. So, definitely not like the Packers were facing Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. And I haven't rewatched the game. So, I'm going to have to go back, look exactly at what they did schematically with the secondary. But I was I was pretty impressed. I was pretty impressed with Joe Barry's game plan. I mean, yeah, of course, a lot of it, some of it was players coming out and playing well. Preston Smith in the pass rush looked good. Uh, Corey Valentine made a play for him. Carrington Valentine was covering well. But Barry also forced the issue a little bit. He had two awesome blitzes that both went for sacks, where one where he sent Quay up the middle, Quay gets free, sack. Another one he sent Keyshawn Nixon, Keyshawn gets free, sack. The defense, if you forget about that touchdown on the botch punt, they gave up three points. And regardless of the opposing quarterback, when you give up three points, chances are everyone on defense did something well. Good job, Joe. Shout out Joe Barry. I liked his his game plan today. I thought he did a good job of bringing pressure. I don't want him around next year, but they're going to need him to come out and have another good game plan next week against Chicago. With that being said, let's move on to my players to watch. And my first player to watch, let's talk a little bit about Jordan Love. Because, I mean, there are so many things we can talk about here. But this is, without a doubt, a resounding win for me. Because Jordan Love, he reaches 30 passing touchdowns on the season. 34 total touchdowns. Just an undeniably incredible performance from Jordan Love. And... You want to talk about the physical attributes? Let's talk about some of his throws. He had a deep floater to Melton, which was a massive play. Had a back foot beauty to Bo Melton in the end zone. And most impressively, he had the ridiculously gorgeous ball to Jaden Reed for that first touchdown of the game. Okay, yeah, you want to talk about results? You can also talk about the fact that Jordan just put up 30 plus points for the second straight week on an opposing team, this time on a defense that is a top defense in the league and ate Green Bay for lunch. Back in week eight, this week, Green Bay ate the Vikings defense for lunch. We can also talk about the fact that Jordan did all of this, all of this incredible performance without Jaden Reed for half the game and without Christian Watson, Luke Musgrave, and Dontavian Wicks for all of the game. We can also talk about how Jordan Love with his 30 passing touchdowns this season now after this game, has surpassed the Bears franchise record for passing touchdowns in a single season. He beats out Eric Kramer's 29 passing touchdowns back in 1995. He also, though I I do think, and unfortunately you want to talk about hating Samari Toure, I do think Samari Toure set Jordan behind this mark at the end. But at one point, he had eclipsed the Chicago Bears franchise record for passing yards in a single season with something like 3,800 and I want to say 59. So we could talk about that, too. We could talk about the fact that Jordan Love has basically now had a better quarterback, had a has had a better season than any quarterback in Bears history. But while all of those things are fascinating things and things I would love to talk about, what I want to talk about is the stride the strides that Jordan Love has taken from a mental side, from the line of scrimmage to during the play, the decisions that he's making, the way that he's operating at the line of scrimmage is remarkable. And his throws are great. His athleticism is great. All of that's awesome. His attitude is remarkable. Him putting his shoulder down and getting that touchdown today was awesome. But I want to talk about the mental side of the game, both before the snap, 
during the play, the ease with which he's operating at the line of scrimmage, it's remarkable to watch. And the autonomy he's given, he's being given by Matt LaFleur, that is also awesome to watch. But if you watch this Minnesota game and you go and you look at every play, it feels like seemingly every single snap, Jordan is doing something to get defenders to the, to declare. He's getting defenders to show their hand with the hard count where, oh, this guy's in the A-gap. Oh, but I used my hard count. Now he jumps back. Okay, I know he's dropping back in the coverage. Or, oh, I used my hard count. Looks like Harrison Smith is coming right up the B-gap. Better do something to block that up. And every single time he figures something out, he gets bits and pieces of information about the defense, and he adjusts. He says, okay, I learned this, Jaden Reed, you run this comebacker, Malik Heath, you sit under the middle, and then he hits Malik Heath under the middle on third and eight, Malik Heath turns up field, first down. What Jordan is what Jordan is doing before the snap is night and day from the beginning of the year, it's night and day from a lot of quarterbacks around the league, Jordan is operating at an extremely high level at the line of scrimmage, and if you want to make any comparisons to Aaron Rodgers, that is the comparison. That is the comparison to make. The way that Jordan is operating at the line of scrimmage is Aaron Rodgers-esque. Within the play, it's just as good with Jordan. He has been so good with his eyes, drawing defenders away from a wind from a window and then coming right back to it and hitting it. He's made tremendous strides in staying in the pocket and Probably the biggest stride he's made is quickly hitting his check down. I don't know how many times today we saw him quickly progress through his reads. One to two to three or one to two. And then he realizes, okay, that's not there. Doesn't panic. Doesn't get out. Try to do something with nothing. Says, hey, I have Aaron Jones in the flat. I have Jaden Reed in the flat. I have Tucker Craft in the flat. I have Ben Sims underneath. Hits them and they're able to go pick up six, seven yards. That's how you stay ahead of the sticks. You stay in advantageous downs and distances Jordan did an incredible job of that today. The mental side from Jordan, the strides he's made there has been, have been remarkable. The arm talent is obviously off the charts. This was an incredible game from Jordan Love. Maybe, probably one of his best. No, not, it was definitely one of his best this year, maybe the best. So, I I think the best way to put this is we went into 2023 not really sure what the Packers had, uh, what the Packers' future, specifically at the quarterback spot, would be. We're leaving 2023 knowing that the Green Bay Packers have got yet another guy leading their franchise at the quarterback spot. So that'll make me 10, 10 and 21 with that player to watch. My second player to watch, Kenny Clark, just on initial watch, I think he had some nice plays, but had a couple of penalties, not really many splash plays. So I'll give myself the L here, be a little bit mean to myself maybe, but you know, I gave myself, I just gave myself a massive win with Jordan Love. So we can take it. That'll move me to 10 and 22 on the season. And that's what I have, man. An incredible new year's win from the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, an awesome job. And I I guess the thing I want to say before we leave, first of all, Thank you so much for listening. This past year has been incredible. We've experienced tremendous growth as a podcast. Can't wait to keep growing. So really appreciate everyone that keeps tuning in. But what I want to say is we're not done. We are not done. The Packers with the Steelers win over the Seahawks, the Falcons lost to Chicago, and of course their own win over Minnesota. They are in a win and in scenario next week 
against Chicago in Green Bay at Lambeau Field, 3.25 p.m. kickoff Central Time. It's just like the Detroit game last year where the Packers, it's actually identical. The Packers in 2023, actually, yes, it was. It was December 1st, 2023, week 17. The Packers played the Minnesota Vikings. And they blew out the Minnesota Vikings 37-10. to A week later, they played the Detroit Lions at home with a chance at the playoffs. And they lost that game. They went home. And we had to move on to Jordan. Well, we didn't have to. We got to move on to Jordan Love. This year, December 31st, not January 1st, December 31st, the Packers play the Minnesota Vikings. They win 33-10. to And now they're going into another game against, this time, the Chicago Bears, but another division rival at Lambeau, a division rival that is now eliminated thanks to the Packers' win over the the Minnesota Vikings. And it's Green Bay's chance to right the wrongs of last year, to go in there and win, go into their own house, defend their own house, and win a football game. And that that is what Matt said in his presser. That like I think one of the first things he said, and I don't remember exactly, but... I'm pretty sure one of the first things he said was, none of this matters if we don't win next week. And I mean, I don't think that's totally true. I think the win today is awesome. It would be, it's much better they win today than they lose today, regardless of what happens next week. But it is true that this game means a whole lot less if they just go out and lay an egg next week against Chicago. So it's time, refocus for another week, go out there. They have to get ready. They have to go beat Chicago. I will come out with an episode previewing that on Wednesday. Um, I will be actually in Green Bay week 18 Packers win and in against the Chicago Bears in week 18. And I will be not just in Green Bay, but inside Lambeau Field watching the game unfold, watching Jordan Love throw a game winning touchdown pass to Christian Watson to send the Packers to the playoffs. That is what I'm going to be watching. So while I'm going to Chicago first and then Green Bay, I will have to record my episode previewing the Packers-Bears game tomorrow. It will come out on Wednesday. I'll release it on Wednesday, and I'll have to do a little voiceover adding in any extra news that I that I missed because I'm going to be recording the episode tomorrow, or I guess technically today because it's the very early morning on Monday, January 1st. So anyway, episode previewing that game will come out on Wednesday. I'll be pre-recording it. Look, business is not done. Packers have to go in to Lambeau, defend their house, beat the Bears. That's what we have. But, I mean, this was an awesome win. Enjoy the win. Celebrate the win. And come away from 2023. If you want to talk about what 2023 has given you as a Green Bay Packers fan, you can look at Jordan Love. And you could say the Green Bay Packers have found their guy. For the next year, few years, they're going to have to pay him a bunch of money in the offseason. But hey, it's a pretty freaking awesome problem to have. So that's what I have. Thank you so much for listening again. Be back on Wednesday. But until then, Jordan loves a dude. And as always, just remember. Go Pack Go! Go!